Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Good morning, peeps, and welcome to Woke AF Daily with me, your girl, Danielle Moody, recording back live from our Podstream studios here in Times Square. Dear friends, what a goddamn week it has been. I want to believe that there is still time. I want to believe that the collection of Democrats who recognize the urgency of this moment are going to act, that they are not going to let this historic time pass us by and be left with a bunch of what ifs. But if you are watching the infrastructure bill fight play out right now, you are not feeling hopeful. You are actually probably feeling aggravated, anxiety-induced, rage-filled at the fact that you have two supposed Democrats who are willing to extinguish our democracy for their own ends. So again, when we direct all of our hope, right? When we direct all of our hope on, oh, I don't know, two fucking people, or the hope that there are going to be more Francis's in the world or more Fiona Hills in the world. And we realize that there are not that, that this country is actually made up of a bunch of cinemas and mansions, people that don't really give a fuck. They only care about their own town, their own life, their own family, and be damned everyone else. You even had this week, Joe Biden mentioning there are two people that are holding up my agenda but doesn't have the balls to say who the fuck those two people are, being as how we all know who they are, that doesn't have the balls to take it to them, to the fucking street, and say, you know what? Here's the thing, American people. I am doing everything within my goddamn power in order to try and make sure that another 650,000 Americans don't die from COVID. And I'm sorry, we are now at over 700,000. 
that I'm trying to do my best to make sure that more people don't, don't lose their jobs, that you have clean drinking water, that we can build up infrastructure to fight our 21st century climate change problem, right? The crises that we are in. And I could do all of these things, you see, because I have great policy ideas and I have good people working with me, but I have two people that refuse. And so dear fellow American, do you know what I need? I need you to pick up the fucking phone. I need you to inundate their offices. I need you to do sit-ins. I need you to do marches. I need you to make calls. And I need you to defund these two fucking senators because they are the ones that are standing between you and your livelihood between you and our democracy. Because let me tell you something, we are running out of time for Joe Biden to play the fucking comforter in chief. And I am frankly don't need a comforter anymore. I will say it again. I need a fucking commander. I need a warrior. I need somebody that knows that we don't have any time left and need to leave everything on the fucking floor, right? But Joe Biden still believes that he's operating with 20th century senators. He still believes that Mitch McConnell going to spit in his face, but then want to grab a scotch with him later. And that will hash it out as the way we do in the deliberative body. Dear Joe Biden, the Senate is dead. Collaboration is dead, right? I don't know what else it is that Mitch McConnell literally has to say other than what he already said, which is that his one job, his job is not to make sure that the American people are okay. His job is not to make sure that America stays competitive on the global stage. No, his one job is to make sure that you are a one-term president. Ding, ding, ding. Where the fuck did we hear that before? So here's the thing. We keep betting on everyone's better angels. And the question that I am offering is what if they have none, right? I know that I say this often, but I got to tell you this week, not making me feel great. Kind of making me feel like, you know, we are already living in 1984 and big brother is everywhere. All I can say is, you know, at least China is transparent about their shit. And by transparent, I mean that they are all about social control, right? And beating back any type of resistance. In America, we say that you're, we're all about freedom, except we've sell, sold your data to the highest bidder. We're all about freedom, except we're using your information against you for capitalistic gains. And then we won't regulate shit because then that would be taking money out of our own coffers. I don't think Wu-Tang knew how prolific they were when they said that cash rules everything around me. But dear fucking God, they really were. Coming up next is my conversation with the brilliant writer from The New Yorker and the voice, one of the voices behind the new book, Black Lives Matter, is Jelani Cobb. So stay tuned for that conversation. Folks, I am very excited to have our second, you, Jelani Cobb, are our second in-studio guest um, for Woke AF Daily. I'm really who, excited to- who beat, who beat me up? 
um, MSNBC host Yasmin Masugian beat you out. Sorry. Wow. I mean, I'm, so I'm like the silver medalist. You are a silver, but still on the podium. Yeah, but you, but you know, they always say like the bronze medalist is happier than the civil the silver medalist. Because the silver is the runner-up. I, yeah, I get the it. The bronze medalist is just happy to be getting a medal. <laughs> but the sil- silver medalist is like, what could I have done? And so was what this a situation where have, I was like, I lost by a, a fraction of a second? Could I have gotten you here if I had enticed you with the fact that you would have been the first? Sure. Would you have come quicker? Absolutely. Okay. All right. <laughs> it's definitely this possible. Was, that, that was my, that was my <laughs> fault. I'm just saying. Standing here with the silver medal. In my with hand. the silver medal. But you're still on Woke AF, so that in and of itself is winning and makes you a champion. <laughs> um, Jelani Cobb, you are a staff writer with The New Yorker. You have put together, um, edited, uh, one of the most dense um, books, I think, that cover uh, black life in America. Mm-hmm. Um, the Matter of Black Lives you put this together, he, I, I don't even know how you were working in the midst of 2020. Mm-hmm. Me, I needed to be partly catatonic for half of it <laughs> and then, you know, then started to kind of get the wind back in my sails. But I want to talk to you about, did you think the weeks, the months following the murder of George Floyd that we had reached some type of reckoning? Because we were all collectively indoors, right? Mm -hmm. We were all on our devices, staring at the TV, just waiting for whatever bit of news about the future of our lives, of our planet, as it was being enveloped in this virus. And then recognizing the multiple pandemics that we are actually living in. Did you think that it was going to be a reckoning? Or was it just going to be one of the many so i was at a disadvantage in in understanding the significance of george floyd and the reason i was at a disadvantage was the fact that i had written about when i was in my 20s i had written about amadou diallo and abner louima you know who were uh respectively shot and uh sexually abused by NYPD officers uh, and the kind of tortured path it took to get any semblance of justice um, in those situations. Of course, there was um, you know, Rodney King you know, before that. I wasn't really writing, but in my 30s, you know, I had written about all of these instance, instances of police excessive use of force. In my 40s, I had written about you know, all these concerns. And here I was as a 51-year-old person, and I had seen overwhelmingly the same outcome of the administration or the bureaucracy circling uh, ranks and finding a way to exonerate the person who had committed an egregious wrong. And so I thought, when I looked at the video, I said, this is horrific, it's inhumane, it's disgusting. They'll find a way to to get this guy off. And what I underestimated uh, was, I, well, I underestimated two things. The first was the impact of everyone being at home. Mm-hmm. There was nothing mm-hmm. to, do, to distract you. Right. Uh, people didn't have to go to work, mm-hmm. you know, and so they could just stew mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. these visuals and what the inhumanity of it meant. And the second thing 
was the excruciating length of that video, which I still never watched. I attempted to watch it when we did a documentary on policing. Uh, and, you know, as part of the documentary, I sat down and said, I should watch this video. And, you know, I, I got to like maybe the four minute mark and I was like, I, I, I need to stop this. Um, but for people who sat there and watched, like, do you know how long it takes to do anything for eight minutes and 46 seconds? You know, that is commitment. And this person kneeled minute after minute after minute after minute in service of the cause of extinguishing George Floyd's life. And I think that people weren't prepared to see that kind of casual sadism on display. Because it's different. I mean, it's all torturous and disgusting, but it's different with a bullet. It right? is. Right? Because there's a di- there, but there is a distance, right? Mm-hmm. That is between it and it's generally generally quick, right? right? This was Split not second decision, right. right? And you could say, "Oh, I feared from <laughs> I feared for my life," right? right? Is the common refrain because it's so quick, and you know, cops have to act so quickly under pressure is what they tell us time and time again. But this wasn't that, and I think that I foolishly believed that this was going to be a reckoning moment. Because I said, there's no way that you watch this for that long. And, but, but at the same time, I did also say, well, they're going to hang this on this one bad mm-hmm. apple, mm-hmm. which is what they say every single time. On Woke AF, I say, yeah, it's a bad apple from a poisonous or- orchard mm-hmm. that has spans the length of this country. Mm-hmm. What, are we, what are you talking about? But as long as we can convince people that if we get rid of this one, there are so many good ones. Right. Which is, which is what happened in the Derek Chauvin trial. You know, I covered the trial. And when you saw the police chief, uh, Madaria Arredondo, uh, come out and denounce uh, Chauvin's actions, you saw uh, the various members of the police department come out. You saw... Uh, police voices from across the country uh, denouncing what he had done. And I, I said, you know, we're being good copped, you know? Yep. Because yep. Uh, in order to highlight the idea that the police are fundamentally good and benign, uh, we need to distinguish ourselves from this person to say he's not one of us, he's not like us. But the problem is that he had been on the Minneapolis police force for, I think it was 19 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, that he had been in a supervisory capacity, that he had been training younger officers uh, in the ways of the department. Uh, He had been promoted. Mm -hmm. And so by what metric was this man not one of you? And so, of course, he was one of them. He represented them uh, and their values uh, and as demonstrated by their continued employment of him and their promotions of him. Uh, And so it was really a kind of illusion that I thought we were being sold. And the point of it was so that we could get back to the business as usual set of presumptions that if there is this person, especially if it's a person of color, who dies in the course of an interaction with the police, they had it coming. With your book, The Matter of Black Lives, with this deep anthology, all of these stories, this analysis, how, how, 
or do you hold on to any semblance that America isn't destined for just implosion? More of the same. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I will tell you that one of the things that gets me every time that I read, you know, your writing, uh, and, and others, Charles Blow, other, other folks, I'm like, it just never gets any better. Mm-hmm. Right. And so how, you know, how do you hang on to any, like that, that we're not just going to implode, that, that we're just not headed towards destruction. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Um, you know, in this collection, we have this really dazzling array of people you know, thinking about these questions and, and how they pertain, um, and not necessarily, you know, expressly or um, explicitly. Sometimes it's as a subtext, you know. But we have, you know, Toni Morrison's writing in here, um, Hilton Owls, Zadie Smith, um, Henry Louis Gates, uh, Doreen St. Felix, my uh, co- co- current colleague at the New Yorker, uh, Khalifa Sana. Uh, you know, a whole, I hate when I start mentioning people because then you leave people out and people start getting upset about it. But uh, there's really so much, such a breadth of work uh, in there that I really think it's a kind of profound um, set of meditations Mm. about individuals, about events, about places, about people, and so on. Uh, And maybe the net effect of that is to have a broader perspective on whether or not there's hope, whether or not there's the possibility of change. You know, uh, as I wrote in the introduction, I said that the anthology is not about race. It's about the people who are most commonly tasked with confronting it, Mm. you know, because race affects the entire society. But it is typically black people who are expected to confront and wrestle with, you know, this demon uh, and try to drag it out of the public square. And so... Uh, that's what we were trying to get at. You know, to your specific question about about implosion, I actually don't view it that way. I think that there is change. Um, but it's just that that change is fragile, is contested, that you have to protect it, you have to hold on to it. But, you know, when we start looking at our political representation, uh, even as... That people are trying to throw impediments you know, between us and the ballot box now. You know, in some ways, we're looking at this from a different vantage point because you know, we have a congressional black caucus. We have uh, black elected officials in cities across the country on a municipal level, uh, you know, on the state level, that black people have a level of political power and authority, which is you know, far and away different from what we looked at in 1965, which is to say that what John Lewis was getting hit over the head for worked. Right. You know, it wasn't a cure. It was a treatment, mm-hmm. but it was a treatment that had results. And so I think that we have to have an assessment. And the other thing that I think is important is that, you know, when I have this conversation, which I have quite frequently with my uh, students, I always direct them at to the last uh, message that W.E.B. Du Bois uh, released to the world, or rather the message that was released upon his death. Uh, and as background, Du Bois, when he was 25 years old, said that he would devote his life to slaying white supremacy. 
that he would fight against white supremacy on behalf of black people. That was what he wanted to dedicate his life to. He was 25 years old. He did that until he was 95 years old. He was still fighting when he died. Seven decades of his life, seven decades, he pursued this mission. And when he died, he left a message saying for people coming after him to not despair because our struggles are long and because the roads are difficult, you know, but always humanity reaches a higher level, he said. Uh, and so I don't have the vantage point of 70 years of struggle, so I don't really have the right to be pessimistic of the way that I see it. Now you're making me feel like I don't have the right to be pessimistic. And I based my life on this, Joe. <laughs> um, no, the last question, the last question for you, um, you know, the past 18 months have been one of the most trying times um, in our country, uh, on our planet, um, and in our world. And I'm curious, you know, on Woke AF, I talk a lot, obviously, about politics and talk a lot about race and identity. Um, but I'm also moving into a place of talking about what it means to live whole Mm -hmm. and to live full and to center joy, mm -hmm. especially in the face of persistent despair. Mm -hmm. So how do you keep yourself centered in some type of joy? How do you keep your light um, about you in the face of darkness? You know, it's funny because I need very small things. You know, so if I think about what made me really happy today, uh, I woke up at 4.59 this morning and I got up and before I did anything, you know, started anything, I just sat down in the dark, quiet. And that was it. You know, that was the thing that made me happiest in that day. Um, and then, you know, I think that for me, looking at the younger people who are coming up now and coming into you know, their own uh, and even, you know, the children that were coming, including mine, you know, that, that, you know, those are the things that make me happy. Uh, I went out and bought myself a new suit last week, which is, you know, I love clothes. And you know, at one point buying a new suit would have really like, been a thing like oh wow this suit where am I gonna wear it and so on and so forth and it was okay I mean I liked it I mean I still like suits but, right you know um the thing that really made me happy is thinking about playing a role in the development of these younger people who are coming after me I love that Jelani Cobb thank you so much for making time folks the book is the matter of black lives I implore you all to pick it up because we're going to be going through it on the show no, thank you. Thank you so much. That's it for today's Woke AF Daily podcast. To hear more from today's show, including my full interview with Jelani Cobb, support me on Patreon at patreon.com slash Woke AF. Power to the people and to all the people. Power, get woke, and stay woke as fuck.
With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Nobody wants to outlive their money, but it happens, especially for women. That's why Gainbridge offers the Parity Flex annuity, designed for women's unique retirement needs, with flexible withdrawals plus a guaranteed lifetime income benefit that keeps paying you even if your account balance is zero. Gainbridge is helping build a better financial future for women. Retirement income you can't outlive is the ultimate flex. Start saving now at Gainbridge.io. Visit Gainbridge.io slash ParityFlex for current rates, full product disclosures and disclaimers, and other important information.